This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 130. God turned your weakness into strength. The great Christian leader, John Stott, was speaking on one occasion at a university mission in Sydney, Australia. On the last night of the mission, as a result of infection, he'd virtually lost his voice. Nevertheless, he was persuaded to speak. Waiting in the side room beforehand, he whispered a request that the words of the thorn in the flesh, verses from 2 Corinthians 12, be read to him. The conversation between Jesus and the Apostle Paul came alive. Paul, I beg you to take it away from me. Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When the time came to speak, he croaked the gospel through the microphone in a monotone, utterly unable to modulate his voice or exert his personality in any way. But all the time he was crying to the Lord to perfect Christ's power through his weakness. He went back to Australia many times after that. On every occasion, somebody came up to him and said, Do you remember that final service in the University Great Hall when you'd lost your voice? I came to Christ that night. As someone who's very aware of my own weaknesses, I find it encouraging that when I feel weak, I'm not alone. As you put your faith in God, he turns your weakness into strength. From Psalm 59 Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. Faith and opposition. God is your strength in times of difficulty. Belief in God is not the recipe for an easy life. In fact, the reverse is the case. You're likely to face all kinds of opposition. David's life was under threat. Paul had sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. He finds himself surrounded by enemies, mutineers, dirty tricks, hitmen, desperados. They're after me, determined to get me. Yet in the midst of this, David prays, Rescue me, and has total confidence that the Lord can and will deliver him. Later in the psalm, twice, David calls on God, Oh, my strength! He's able to say, I did nothing to deserve this God, crossed no one, wronged no one. David was not perfect. However, sometimes you may face difficulties, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. Cry out to God for help in times of personal difficulties. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. You can also cry out to God for help in times of international crisis. The very next sentence is a prayer for the nation. Whatever level the opposition appears, ask the Lord for his deliverance, help and intervention. Oh, my strength, help me to trust you in times of difficulty and opposition. Deliver us from those who oppose your plans. New Testament from John chapter 6 Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he's given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Faith and Emptiness Jesus taught about the centrality of faith. When asked, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. We are called primarily believers, not achievers. The way we achieve is by first believing. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When we're physically hungry, we crave food. But as well as physical needs, you have spiritual needs and a spiritual hunger. The bread Jesus is talking about is the word made flesh, present with them as a friend. Jesus is offering us a personal, intimate, heart-to-heart relationship with him. It's the gift of his total person to each one of us. Faith in Jesus fills the emptiness you experience and satisfies your spiritual hunger for purpose, permanence and pardon. First purpose. Physical bread is not enough. Material things alone do not satisfy. Money, homes, cars, success and even human relationships do not satisfy our desire for ultimate purpose in life. The bread that does satisfy is the bread of life. This is not a commodity that Jesus supplies. He is the gift and the giver. The words I or me appear 35 times in this discussion. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me 
will never be thirsty. It is easy, even once you put your faith in Jesus, to get caught up either in material things or the trappings of religion. But it's actually only a relationship with Jesus that satisfies our spiritual hunger. The expressions, believe in me, come to me, look to the sun, eat my flesh and drink my blood, describe living in an intimately close relationship with Jesus. Second, permanence. We're all going to die. Death is the great unmentionable reality. Jesus says, this life is not the end. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. I will raise them up on the last day. Jesus promises to raise you up at the last day and that you will live forever. You can have absolute assurance that your relationship with Jesus will outlast death. There is both a present and a future dimension to this eternal life. They said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus says, it can be received immediately. Yet he also made clear that it will last forever. Third pardon. Forgiveness is actually our greatest need. The atheist philosopher Marganita Lasky said, What I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have no one to forgive me. We all want to know that we are pardoned for all that we've done wrong. Jesus said, This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you receive communion, you're reminded that Jesus gave his life so that you could be forgiven. How do you receive this bread? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. While there's no separate account of Jesus' institution of Holy Communion in John's Gospel, here we see Jesus' teaching on communion set in the context of faith. Among other things, communion is a visible sign that helps us receive Christ by faith. It reveals and nourishes the friendship Jesus wants to have with you. It is a gift of his love and a sign of his desire to dwell in you all the time. Lord, thank you that through faith in you, I have found a lasting purpose in my life, forgiveness for my sins and the promise of eternal life. Help me today to walk in a close, intimate relationship with you. Old Testament, Judges 10 and 11 Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord, If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Faith and fallibility. As we read through the ongoing saga of the people of God sinning, crying out to the Lord and being rescued by judges, we come across one of the most disturbing stories in the entire Bible. Jephthah is described as a mighty warrior. His mother was a sex worker. His half-brothers drove him away. He gathered a group of adventurers around him. He became a remarkable leader. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he was used by God to secure victory over the Ammonites. The Lord gave them into his hands. However, there is an incident in his life that is almost unbearable to read. He made a vow to God that if God gave him victory, he would sacrifice 
whatever came out of the door of his house to meet him upon his return. It was his daughter, his only child, and it appears that is what he did. It is important to note that God never asked him to make this vow, nor did he ask him to carry out the sacrifice. Indeed, it went against all the teaching of the Old Testament, which forbade child sacrifice. Jephthah never actually seeks God's will in this situation. It seems to be his own pride that drives him to put his reputation above the life of his daughter. This shows the fallibility of even great people of faith. In spite of his weakness, he's listed in the book of Hebrews as one of the heroes of faith whose weakness was turned into strength. Lord, thank you for the way you use people of faith and turn our weakness into strength. Help me today to live a life of faith, trusting and believing in Jesus, who is the bread of life. Pepper adds, In John 6, verse 42, the Jews were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? It doesn't matter what our backgrounds are, or other people's expectations of us, or even our own perceptions of ourselves. What matters is how God sees us. And everybody is far more beautiful, loved and precious than we could ever know.